0: So I'm really excited about this message because the fact is, when we started this Reset series, this is kind of what I had in mind, or this is where I wanted to take us with this. And I think it's in light of everything that we've had going around in our world, things that have happened in our culture. And for Christians, because we look at things through the Word of God, we look at things differently. We, we, we have these glasses that we see the world. We, we see things in a light that the gospel illuminates, and so we can see the truth behind things. And a lot of times people in the world that don't have the word of God, they view everything from creation to death and life, everything from a different perspective because they're not viewing it from truth. But Christians should not be like that. I've thought about this and people have asked this question about what will end times be like and what will it be like when God comes back? And we know that the Bible warns us in this message that I'm going to do, I'm kind of going to be doing a continuation of this next week as we pick up on this important subject. But I have thought about this, even even in relationship of today and in in this day and age of of your life, if, if somebody was to come up to you and if you were to find out in some way that you only had one day to live or one week to live, how would you live? What would you do differently? How would you view your life, your kids? What would you want to leave behind? What would you want to do with the time that you have? And I know this is deep, and I, I know this is a lot different than last week when we were just talking about life and moms and giveaways and this, but I, I want us to really zone in on this subject. And I think in light of the world that we're living in, I, I think it's kind of pushed us out of a, a, a zone in, in what's going around us to make us think differently, to view things differently. And I thought about this. If God was to tell us, if God was to tell you and said, I'm coming back in one week, what would you do with that week? If you had that timeline, what, what would your perspective be like? And I, I want to get into this, but I, I don't want to use scare tactics because I, I honestly, I grew up uh, in church and I've seen services like that where people have brought out things and point out things in the newspaper and stuff and then and, and, and make comments about, man, if, if God doesn't come back tonight, I'd be in shock. And that, that could be true, that maybe it's just so clear with things that, that it just seems like it's so obvious that this should happen. But the truth is, we don't know. But the Bible does give us a lot of things that we should know. And a lot of things for Christians. And I I just want to give truth. I want to give facts. I want want to give you statements that you can take home and live by. And if we're going to have this honest conversation, and that's what I want it to be, I want want to give you truth out of the word of God and make you think. I want to shake you up. I, I, I I want you to have a clear perspective of our view of living in last days. I want you to see the signs and understand what you're saying before and how a generation living in these last days should act and how a Christian living in these last days, how this affects us. The disciples were having this conversation with Jesus. And I'm going to be mainly focusing out of Matthew 24 in this chapter right here. But I'm going to take in a lot of supporting scripture to build up so that you have a solid understanding of what we're talking about. And Jesus is having this conversation with the disciples, and the disciples asked them some pretty straightforward questions. And he said in verse three, and he sat upon Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the signs of thy coming and the end of the world? And, and this is pretty straightforward when you think about it. The disciples are like, Hey, we've got you, and we know that things are coming to the end, and we, we know that you have the answers, so please tell us. And, and I'm, I'm going to ask you guys to please, please hear me out And I'm, as I bring scripture to look at the scripture, to read the scripture, and to let it affect your heart and mind as we go through this. Because I think that's the main thing that I'm trying to do is bring in the reality for us to see what we're facing today, the reality of the time frame in which we're living. In Second Peter, he's talking about last days. And he said in Second Peter 3.3, 3, we know that he was talking about the last days because he said, know this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. And he begins to explain the last days. But before Peter gets into that, if you back up the verse 1, listen to what he says to believers. He says, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by a way of remembrance. So let me do something to you guys. Before I start talking about last days, he said, I need to stir up the truth of what God is and who God is and what he has said. I need to stir this up. He said that ye might be mindful of the words. Think about what he's saying with that. He's saying it's not a matter of just having a knowledge of the fact. And I think a lot of times for people, we'll sit there and say, I know God's coming back and we're mindful of that or we have a knowledge of that. But he says, I want to stir it up. Have you ever done that, where you've stirred something up? I've done a lot of painting in my house lately. And I know before I'm able to apply the paint, I've got to get and stir everything up there. All all the stuff that seeps to the bottom, everything that separates. And what I'm doing is I'm stirring it up. And I I think that's what God wants us to do with this. We kind of get used to a, a culture. We get used to a day and age. And the Bible is filled with all these truths. I will come again. I will come again. I am coming again. And those things kind of settle in the back of our minds. And I think for some of us, we get into this mode where I I, want to hear messages about how to overcome this and live for this. And I want to have a better marriage and be a better parent. And all those things are legit and true and in the Bible and should be preached. But I think sometimes we've got to reach down there and stir up some of those things where God says, by the way, this life is temporary. By the way, you're going to die by the way, I'm going to come back and I'm going to come back as a thief in the night. And I'm going to, uh, it's, we, we call it the rapture, which literally means the snatching away. And God says, I, I need these things to be stirred up in my people. I, I need to reach in the middle of COVID-19 into the living rooms and the, the homes and, and through cell phones and laptops and reach into your heart and remind you that God made a promise that I am coming back. And it's going to come in such a way that you think not, and, and he says that ye might be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, by the commandments of the apostles and the Lord and, and Savior. And he said, I just I just need these things to be on your heart and mind. I, I need to stir this up with you. And another passage relating to end times and end days, he says in First Thessalonians 5:1, But of these times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Listen to why he says this, for you for yourselves know perfectly that the day. Of the Lord, so cometh as a thief in the night. He's going to come back unexpectedly. But notice how he says at the beginning of it, like he's talking to believers or talking to the church. He said, "Ye have no need that I write unto you." He said, "This is not going to come as a shock to you whatsoever." No Christian should sit there and go, "What? I had no idea. What are you talking about?" He's making it very clear. He said, "I I, I want to stir this up." He says that in verse four. He says, "But ye brethren are not in darkness." you should be overtaken as a thief. He he said, you should be well aware of what's coming. You should know how it's coming. You should know what's coming before you. You should see the signs. A thief is something that that you don't expect. You don't plan for that. But he says, I'm coming as a thief. Literally, the world might be not expecting it, but believers in the church should be well aware of the coming of Christ. It should be ever before us. We should be viewing the world from this perspective and viewing life from this perspective, viewing end times in the day and age in which we live from this perspective. You are children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. He, he uses this description. If he says, you're not walking around in darkness going, what's happening? Where Christians say, I don't know. It's like, why is that happening? I, I really don't have a clue. No, you should have a clue because you are not of the darkness. I have have the illumination. I have the ability to light up and know what's happening. And I can take culture and I can take news and I can take current events and I can take the things that are happening around me and compare them and light them up and understand what's happening because of the fact that as I am not of the darkness, that literally is saying there that I'm not walking around clueless because I can't see it. Viewing life from God's word and viewing the end times of the culture and day and age in which we live from, from God's word. Jesus continues in this passage. He's talking about this and he says, verse six, and he says, you shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. He says, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Then he says, verse eight, and all these things, and all these are the beginning of sorrows. And I'll be honest, I've, I've heard this preached my entire life. From the time I was a kid, and in teen class, in college, and in my entire Christian life, I've heard this. I've heard sermon series. I've preached messages on this. Messages that even point to the earthquakes, and the wars, and the rumors of wars. And we'll hold, hold up newspapers and say, see, look at what's going on. But if you look back on history, none of this was new. you got to think about it. We, we've had great wars in the past in World War I and World War II and these things that have rocked our world and rocked our nation. We've gone through great pestilence and famines and false prophets and false teachers. Every generation has experienced different things that people step back and go, this is it. This has got to be it. And you think, why do they get this? The, 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 Jesus is talking to disciples about what's coming next. You got to think what he was saying from that perspective of what Jesus was pointing out. He's saying, as I speak to you right now, he says, from here till I come back, let me tell you what's going to happen. He wasn't just saying in the last days. He was referring from the day in which he was standing there from then on out. He's saying, let me tell you about these days. From the time of the disciples to the time of Fellowship Baptist Church and Tony Liuzzo in 2020. He said, let me tell you about this. Jesus was speaking some things in this passage that were specific to their culture and their day and age. But he was also speaking of some things that was too relevant to our day and age and our culture. He was talking about sin and how sin from the very beginning has been running its course. But it begins to talk about the end times or the end of the course of that. How Satan's going to set up his kingdom and the world is going to experience suffering and pain. And he describes it in verse 8 of this sin and suffering. He says, and these are the beginning of sorrows. What are you saying by that? That, that terminology of sorrows is the terminology of birth pains. Now, I can't, I'm not even going to pretend like I know what that's like. So any, anybody that's ever given birth, for you ladies, we, we, we have utmost respect for you and, and understand what you've gone through. And there's nothing like that that we've ever gone through. But it was talking about a woman getting near to birth. And she's talking of that, of the, the contractions that she's having and knowing that they're getting more intense and more intense. And, and, and it's that, that birth pains, though that's the beginning of sorrows. And he said, from that, he said, there, there's going to be that pregnancy. If, if you'll give it that visual right there, he said, there's going to be their pregnancy. But at the end of it, when you get to the end of it, he said, let me tell you, this will be the beginning of sorrows. This is when the pain starts. This is when things begin to change. The, the, the contractions begin to remind you the baby's coming, the baby's close coming, and the, the more intense they get, the more you're reminded that the baby's coming. In this description, I, I think of even how it says before that, of the world itself having earthquakes, kind of like the world experiencing that sin, the fact that that, that sin that's in this world, this curse that we've talked about before that's in this world, it, it's having its effect and it's reminding us even through the earthquakes of that, like contractions saying, man, it's coming, it's coming. It's having this effect. You know that you're getting close. You can feel it. And these sorrows and these pains are simply sin running its course. And it's all around us. All of these passages that talk about end times and the coming of Christ and, and how Christians should view the end times and saying, you're not going to be caught off uh, uh, unaware. You're not going to be surprised by this. I'm going to explain this to you. Second Timothy 3.1 talks about in the end times. He said, also know in the last days. When you're getting close to the end, he said this is going to be the description. Perilous times shall come. Difficulty time shall, shall come. And Same thing we were talking about in, in the, the last stages of birth. It's going to get hard. In the last stages of being sick with the disease, it gets hard. It runs its course. It has its effect. And it begins to describe the sin. For men shall be lovers of their own self and covetous and boasters and proud and blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Jesus was warning the disciples. He's warning us. Let me break down this next verse and let me explain what's going on. He's he's explaining to them that we must live with a biblical understanding of sin. I'm saying in these last days, you, you say, well, there's always been sin. I know that. We're talking a reference of end times. We're talking about the day and age in which we live. And you say, are we living in that? Well, let me explain and just show you. Let me just pull back the curtains of some of the things that the Bible is saying and explain some of this stuff. It says in verse 12 to the disciples, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Iniquity is a violation of the law. It's wickedness or unrighteousness, the root word which means without law or without boundaries. So the Bible is very clear when it comes to marriage, when it comes to gender, When it comes to righteousness, when it comes to sin, when it comes to the things that we live by, when it comes to the things that proceed out of our mouth, the things that we view with our eyes, all these things, God drew drew boundaries. Now, these boundaries were not to ruin your life or cause you not to have fun. The boundaries, like a good father, you draw those up or you you tell your kids, don't go in the street, don't do this, don't do that. You draw boundaries because you know on the other side are things that will harm them. They don't have a knowledge of that. You listen to the father, you respect them. He was saying through this, he said, because iniquity, because of the fact is that there will come a time that they will wipe away the boundaries. There's going to come a time that they will not view the word of God as, as a standard or a boundary or right or wrong anymore. He, he says that this is, he's describing this, that men will no longer respect or follow what is right and they won't care what is wrong. Man will do that which is right in his own eyes. They'll create their own boundaries, which is based on what feels good. See, when you take away boundaries, the Bible talks about sin will flourish. And it says this in verse 12. It says, and because iniquity shall abound. Now that word abound doesn't mean that it will just exist. It literally means it will increase. And let me be more specific. That word literally means to abound, literally means that it will multiply. I I started thinking multiply. It it, it excels. we're, We're in a place and time in our culture right now that we've never seen before. And I've thought of this. And I've never thought of this in respects of what we're talking about with this, uh, th- these verses. You see, sin has always increased. You know, if you were to go back and we say, we compare things to the days of Noah, we compare things to the day of Lot, and the Bible does, even then when it talks about last days. But when we're talking about sin, murder, they, they, they had the Colosseums, that they would torture people in the Colosseums for sport. They, they had the, Where they were burning Christians at the stake, they would stone people that we, we can look back in history and see the Holocaust and the times of that and, and all these things, and we sit there and say, sin shall abound. Sin has always abounded or has always been present. But Jesus was saying, let me tell you about the last days. Let me tell you about what's going to happen when things are going to get to that end, to that breaking point. The Bible describes it when he's just talking about the days of Sodom and Gomorrah and using that illustration. He said that that becomes to a, a boiling point her point where God says enough is enough, where this sin that is multiplied or this sin that has gotten out of hand, it gets to this point. And I think it all ties into prophecy when you start putting the pieces together. Even in Daniel, he says, but thou, O Daniel, shut up thy words and seal the book even to the time of the end. So we know that he's talking about this. And listen to what he says. Many shall run to and fro. Literally, that was the description of what we see uh, uh, of people traveling and and, and going on airplanes and and, and trains and cars and automobiles and all those different things that we have. They're going to go to and fro like you've never seen before. That's definitely our culture. And knowledge shall increase. Second thing, he said knowledge shall increase. that, That knowledge that he's talking about literally is the same word. It means to abound. Knowledge is going to multiply, not just be added. Knowledge is going to multiply. It's going to excel. It's going to be in abundance. You say, you're all over the place. Let let me start putting these pieces together of what I'm saying and what God was saying. We live in a culture, and I I, I mean a day and age, I I literally mean our generation of seeing things we've never seen before. I'm saying we're experiencing things that other, I'm standing before you using an iPad, and we're, we're, I, I have in my pocket my cell phone. Now, even a number of years ago, we, we didn't have things like this, of this kind of technology. We have smartphones, iPads, smartwatches, Google, Internet, Wi-Fi. We have smart TVs. We have YouTube that we can watch anything at any time. We, we have the, the World Wide Web. We have all of these things. We have instant information. We are a generation that has never today has never had to go to a library to research something, to find something. Within seconds, you can pull out and just tell your phone to tell you the answer. We can research things on our computers. We cannot even have to leave our homes to find out these things. We, we can spread information instantly. And information in our generation is exploding on a level that we've never seen before. And the Bible talked about that. And you say, what does that have to do with what Jesus was saying, that iniquity shall abound? It's not just information that is exploding. It's sin that is exploding. It is instantly accessible on a way that we've never seen before. And I think we all combat this. We we all see it's it's literally around us constantly. Our generation is facing challenges like no other generation has ever faced when it comes to temptation. It, It is temptation comes across your screen and it can be delivered to your house in seconds. Literally available in seconds. You don't have to rent sin. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to be 18 or 21. You don't have to hide it. Most Hulu series and Netflix series are rated TV mature in our culture today. Literally being pumped into our homes, our cell phones, our smart TVs, our laptops, our iPads, all the devices that we have around us constantly is sin. Our, our generation, our kids are being raised, being confronted with things that they're seeing things that the previous generation would have to go out of their way and purchase and hide to have pornographic material in their homes. And now yet it is being delivered and pumped and, and, and accelerated on a level that we could not even explain. The, these, these series now that is just called Entertainment have sex scenes and nudity and profanity and incest and rape and cursing God. And I'm not talking about some sort of triple X vile type thing. These are everyday lists that are coming across our TV and in our homes that is just rented listed is TV mature. It's like everyday entertainment. It's just average. We're not talking about things that are labeled as pornographic. It's just labeled as entertainment. Limitations 351 explains. That my eye affects my heart. What I see affects my heart. It literally changes my passion. It changes my love. It changes my perspective, my outlook, my desires. I'm going to ask you in the culture that we live in, even as Christians, the things that are all around us constantly, has it had an effect on us? Has it changed us? Has the instant access and the constant exploitation of these things, and the constant display of these things, and the constant accessibility of these things changed us? Has it affected the next generation of the children, the people we're trying to raise? Has it changed their perspective on sex, morality, gender? Has it changed our our, our idea of purity? Has it changed our, our perspective when it comes to these things? And we get on to watch just normal entertainment and things that is all around us, that is second nature to everybody that, that in the world today to watch this stuff. And they see hours and hours and hours of it, most of the time with zero accountability. And the Bible literally just said, Jesus said to them, he said, let me tell you in the last days, That there's gonna come a point in time where Daniel says that knowledge shall increase or that it will be it will be exploited and shared on a level that you've never seen before. And Jesus said, sin will abound in those last days. It will explode in the last days. It will be like nothing you've ever seen. As he's explaining it. And he said, This iniquity in in verse 12 of Matthew 24, this violation of the cross and the law, there will be no law. There will be no line. It, it, it's, it's a matter of we will come to church for 30 minutes to hear, or, or to hear a message in a church for 30 minutes or, and, and hear the pastor, preacher, the Sunday school teacher teach. And then all of a sudden what you're hearing and seeing in the world all the way around with everything around us, we look old-fashioned, out of touch, and insane for thinking the things that are biblical in our day and age. Take it a step further. It's not that we're looking strange or odd for the things that are right and wrong. Our generation gets labeled as old-fashioned, disconnected, and even hateful in what we believe. You see, why is that? Because every show and social media post, and all these things around us is just screaming. The Bible says in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah that their cry was great against God. Literally, this this this, this outburst of, of their sin was just blatantly before them. And the Bible says in Isaiah 520, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. See, our generation has flipped everything. Everything around us, we have flipped it. And the Bible literally just says, and Jesus was saying, and, we're, and I know we talk about end times and the day and age and how can you be aware and things like that. And I just started thinking, could it be the very thing that we see every day around us as one of those things that God's saying, I told you, be aware, be alert, be, recognize these things because iniquity shall abound and the love of many shall wax cold. He said we should have an understanding, be aware And I'll ask you this question. Do you see the condition of our day? Do you see it? Have we been so blinded and so comfortable to our surroundings that we lost sight of what has happened? Have we gotten so used to it that we don't even label things as sin or view them as wrong? We don't even see the boundaries. We cross over and say, who cares? What's the big deal? It's the world that we live in. This is just life. And if we have that mindset, the Bible says that is the very mindset, that is the very perspective that they will have in the last days. But the verse says more. It says, The love of many shall wax cold. That love in that passage is agape. It is God's love. It is a love that comes from God, a love and a passion that believers have. It's a passion for God and a passion for truth, a passion for what is right. See, it's not just a matter of having a biblical perspective and understanding in these last days of what sin is, but it's living with a biblical passion for God. You see this thing that he was saying in the second part, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We're talking about resetting our view of the last days. And I want to do a reality check of understanding of where are we at The first part of it, do you see the world that we live in? Do you see how sin has all of a sudden invaded our homes and invaded our minds and invaded our lives in a way that we've never seen before? But he said the effects of this will be a loss of passion, a loss of respect for the things of God. We have to have a reset of how we live and how we view sin and our passion for God in these last days. Jesus was giving this direct warning. And he says in there that the love of many shall wax cold. See, he's confronting the cold condition that we deal with. He said it shall wax cold. Now, let me just explain it like this. He said, the love of Christians or the love of my people or the love of those that should be the light and the darkness. He said, let me tell you what's going to happen to the light, to the passion, to the difference. He described it as waxing or growing or are slowly developing to be cold. It's what he said. It's a simple concept of what he was saying. If, if, if any of you make dinner, and when Jenny makes dinner, she'll time it just right and say, we have five minutes. And she says that because of the fact is when she pulls it out of the oven and puts it on the table, she wants it to be hot. It, it's uh, the, the other day I went to get food for, for Jenny, for Mother's Day, and we, we went down to get Chewies and, and I, I timed it just right to order it online and be there just on time so that I could get it and bring it home so it'd be hot. Because there's a principle that goes with this. When, when it comes to uh, things getting cold and our passion and desire becomes cold, or, or, or that, that situation in our heart where it, we become apathetic in that way, it comes from removing ourselves from the fellowship of God, which makes us hot. We become cold. I'm reminded of what he was saying in these last days in Revelation when Jesus is talking and God is talking about the last days. He says, as as many as I love and rebuke and chasten, because they're zealous. He said, to be zealous therefore and repent. He's literally saying that you've become increased with goods and I'm talking to our church that you have everything and he said, you've become lukewarm and he says, it makes me want to just spew you out of my mouth. You've become gross, ineffective. And he's saying, how does this happen when God was saying the love of many shall just grow cold? What he was saying from here is we've gotten away from the source of the heat. We've gotten what? Away from the things that makes us different and zealous. He says in there, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, he said, I will come into him. This is Jesus saying this. Think about what Jesus was saying, the position of Jesus in this thing. He's going to the church, knocking on the door, and he's saying, why am I out here? Because I am the source of your passion, the source of your power, and I'm locked on the outside. And you have no power on the inside without Jesus Christ. Talking about our condition. He said the love of many, that passion of many. He said, I'm just going to be honest. It's just going to get cold. You talk about having an ineffective ministry and an ineffective life in the day and age in which we live. It happens with this. But the thing that he was saying too, it's, it's not just getting away from the source of the heat. It's not just removing the fellowship. And I ask you when it comes to that, how many of us have grown cold? How many of us, when it comes to the rapture or the coming of Christ or the things of God or the things that are right and wrong, we more or less have the attitude of, I don't know. I don't care. What's the big deal? There's no drive. To know Jesus, there's no drive to be closer. There's no passion and zeal inside of your heart to want to have these things in your life. And I asked you, what is the condition of your heart? And if we live in this day and age, he said, iniquity will abound, but let me talk to the saints of God. Have you gotten cold? But it comes from adapting to our surroundings. See, cold simply means that you've adapted. It's it's no longer that we're just in the world. It's easy to adapt to the things that are in the world. He says, because, if you notice in verse 12, he says, because, he said, let me give you the reason. Let me explain to you why it's going to be this way. Because iniquity shall abound. Because we live in a world that is filled with it. It's everywhere. And all of a sudden it becomes our priority and our mindset. Let me go back when I was talking to, talking about 2 Timothy 3, 4. He says, when he's talking about that list of sin and he says, in the last days, he says, there'll be traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, More than lovers of God. He's literally saying, I'll tell you why you get cold. He's because they're going to be with it that this is just life. This is just life. This is just life. And he said, slowly, they'll remove the word of God for other things that just fill their mind. He said, and then all of a sudden, their mindset will no longer be about the urgency of living in the last days, being aware of what's going on. It won't be on their heart, it won't be on their mind, it won't be in their language, it won't be anywhere around because of the fact is that the temperature of their passion has become cold inside of them. We substitute God for the pleasures of the world. We adapt to the world's morals. And I think our generation has more to do, instead of being zealous for God and understanding the day and age in which we live, we've allowed this tsunami of sin to come into our life and all of a sudden we're more or less asking the question, what's wrong with it? And are you so out of touch, you can't see this? And we've gotten so far away from the power of the Word of God that we've become apathetic with the idea of just who really cares? Who cares? Why do you do that? Why is that such a big deal? We adapt to the world's pleasures. We adapt to the world's priorities. But I want to close with this. It's not just confronting the cold, but we have to confront the danger of this position. I think that's so vital for us to understand. And, and I, I'm thought of this story. He's, he says in the parallel passage when Jesus was talking to the disciples about the last days. He says in, in Luke 17, 28, it's a parallel to this. And he's talking and giving the illustration of Sodom, Gomorrah, and Lot. Sodom, Gomorrah, we know, is the story of a, a place of sin. It's, it's a culture that has completely been wrapped up in the things of the world. They eliminated all the lines. And all of a sudden, they become so wicked that they, they had no moral compass whatsoever. God uses them as an example. And he says, even thus shall it be in the day of Sodom and Gomorrah when the Son of Man is revealed. He said, let me tell you a story. But in the middle of the story, let me tell you what we have. Is we have a believer or a follower of God named Lot that placed himself in that city. And that believer adapted to the culture around him. He no longer could see right and wrong. He could never see the judgment of God or what was to come. He never separated himself. He just adapted to the surroundings of it. He got comfortable with it. He didn't share it with his kids. He had no passion for God. He had no distinction in his walk or in his life. And the Bible says is, is that, that God sent the warning him and then to shake him up and to say, Hey, listen, judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. At that point, Lot stood up and he says, well, I have family here. What should I do? The Bible tells us that he ran out in verse 410 and he went out and spake to his sons-in-law and his married daughters and said, get up, get you out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. Hey, let me tell you, God's coming back. Let me tell you, this is dangerous. But the problem is because Lot adapted to the culture, there was no passion, zeal, truth. There was nothing inside of him. There was no light in the darkness. He had no impact on them whatsoever to the point where his family responded, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his son-in-laws. They were like, you are just crazy. Where have you been? Where's been this passion and zeal for God all this time? Because at that point, it was too late. I guess I just wake up. Do we want to get to the place where it's too late, where we've adapted to our culture? We've lost sight of sin. We've lost sight of the warnings. We're not heeding to the fact that God's saying, I'm going to shake things up so that you have an idea when the time comes. We're so much like the world that we just adapted, where we've taken our passion and zeal for truth and the word of God. We've exchanged it for entertainment and pleasures. When that happens to it, it has an effect on our car, heart where we just step back and say, what's the big deal? Why are you crazy? You people are just nuts. It's not that big of a deal. Lot had regret as he walked out of that city and ran out of there with his two daughters and his wife and he left the rest of his family behind because he had lost his influence. I say to us, have you, have you recognized where we're at? The fact that we have hit a stage that sin is on a level of abounding like we've never seen it before. Iniquity, iniquity is abounding. And I know that sin has always been here, but God says in Jesus' teaching, us this specific thing as we do this. Have we lost our, our effectiveness? Have we lost our urgency? Have we grown cold? Can you ask yourself that question? Because it, Matthew 24, verse 44 ends with this, and we'll pick up with this even next week. Therefore, be also ready for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. You see, I don't know when he's coming, but I do know that it's going to come in such an hour that you don't expect it. You don't think. I I, I asked every Christian, every believer, every person that loves God, every person that adheres to this, I asked you this as Jesus is teaching and he's talking about nearing the end and getting close to the end. I just asked you in this way, have you lost sight of where we're at? Are we not taking the light of the word of God and saying, oh, wait, wait a minute. This, this is not adding up. This is, wait a minute. God's trying to tell us something and warn us something. Because if we're not stirred up, how are we going to tell anybody? If we're not living as a distinction, how is anybody ever going to find the truth? And I say to anybody else that's watching this, and, and just is the truth that God's promised us. That he said he is coming back. That, that is, you can take that to the bank. God promised, I am coming back. The question is, when he does come back, will you be ready? And the, the, the being ready is just a matter of having your heart right with God. God made it very clear that he offered salvation. He offered hope. He's done everything to give you peace and hope. But the only way that you can have that peace and hope is literally to accept it in your heart and mind. To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to confess your sin before God, to ask him to forgive you of your sin. We've all crossed that line. We talk about that iniquity. We're all guilty of that. But I got good news that God knows where we're at. He knows the sin that we've done and he can still set us free because he's already paid the price. I challenge you as we pray in just a minute that you pray and ask Jesus Christ, ask him to come into your life, come ask him to set you free. And if you do that, please let us know because we want to reach back out to you. We want to help you. We want to connect because this is just the beginning. Let's pray. God, as we close out this time, Lord, we just need to listen and watch. Lord, these warnings that you've given to us as you were saying, Lord, is in those days that this is, will be the tell times. This will tell us what's going on. I pray that you help us to understand this and see it. Lord, help it to affect us. Lord, his passage after passage reminds us that we must be aware and alert and awake. Help us to see it because we, we will not be taken back, Lord, as people that, that, that have no clue what's coming on. You've told us very clearly what's happening. Lord, help us to wake up and see it. I pray this in your name, amen.